Bokatov, today's staff is Tebet. We'll be soon beginning a new, the, the, the uh, final parak. But before that, we have to finish the old one. So, we pick up on the bottom of Te'alf Amudbet. Um, Amarab Yochanan, and this is about a get kereach, a get with, uh, the, um, which was a get mukushar, a bald get, which started with a get mukushar, which was one that they made for Kohanim in order to slow down the process of divorcing your wives. Um, I think my little illustration went away, but to remind people what they do is they write a few lines and then fold it over so that this part would have be written and then they would fold it over on a blank spot, okay, and then the Aiden would sign here and then they would like write a few lines and wait a minute, how would you do this? And then you would not fold it over again like that. Oh, I guess you would. You probably would fold it. Oh, yeah, you have to do it like that. Right, okay. And then you write a few lines here, and you basically make an accordion, okay? And they would. So each one of these things. Right? Each one of these things would be like. Would be, would be, would be sewn up. In here would be writing, you know, writing and blank, writing and blank, and each of these would be sewn up, and then there'd be a signature on each one of the, the, the things of the accordion. And they require a minimum of three of those, so three signatures, and the get kireach is that the guy made, I don't know, ten of them, and he did not get all of those folds signed. He only got nine signed, or something like that. And then we're going to talk, the Brighton discusses he had one fewer sign. We'll talk in a minute about other scenarios. Anyway, and in that case, what do you, you you, it's it's pasul and it's very weightily pasul at least according to Rebbe Meir Teitzev Avlad Mamza the whole thing at least that's Rebbe Meir's position but then ironically um, even though it's so such a weighty problem you can actually fill those blanks even with pasuladim maybe only a relative maybe any pasulade but that's uh, as long as you have the basic three that Chazal demanded and the end of the day yesterday we discussed let's say you have two which is enough deal right uh, does the third one have to be kasher as well and the Gemara clearly really wanted to say it had to be kasher but it had to deal with some brightos that indicated that maybe it could be a karov okay but that's the first three so the basic two or three have to be totally Kasher, and the others have to be filled out, and if they're not, it's the get is puzzle, but we, they can be filled out with a puzzle agent. Yes. Two or three, like, or three. We're going to about to look at that, whether there's a specific location for the kosher ones. Okay, so let's take a look. Exactly so, two lines from the bottom, Now we're spelling this out. So the fact that we allow you to fill in those uh, uh, a blank spot with a, a non-kosher witness that's one blank spot. All the other folds have to be kosher Aiden. Avotrelo, all the other ones have to be kosher. And here's why. Dilma, kosher. Because what Basin will do is they'll have this get with ten folds and ten signatures, and they'll need to uh, be Mikhaim the signatures. Right? They'll need to validate them. So they'll say, Does anybody know any of these signatures? And they'll put out a little announcement in the paper. Okay? And then people will come and they'll validate three of the ten signatures signatures. Well, if you allow more than one puzzle to sign, they might be validating, they might be allowing this woman to remarry on the basis of two puzzle signatures, right? But if you only allow one puzzle person to sign, then any three signatures that they're going to use, two of them will be kosher aided. So that's why he says you could only have one, because if you have two people that are relatives, they will come to maybe, by chance, they'll use those as the signatures that they're going to validate and go by, and will monitor this woman on the basis of non-valid uh, testimony. Maybe you can at some point validate the other ones. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you'll find out you can never validate them. Amar 
Rashi. Masnisin Namidika. That also can be read by a close read of our Mishnah. Or the Brita, actually. To come Daleg, Vatani Chad Chad. Because yesterday the bright that we quoted was if you have seven folds and six aidim, six folds and five aidim, five folds and four aidim, okay, you can fill in the other one with a puzzle witness. So it keeps on speaking about just missing one aid. It never spoke about missing more than one aid. So, Shmamina. So the Gemara says, you know what, that's a good proof. Okay. Wait, wait a second. Yes. So when we say, so someone says Kulchem, right? So there has to be a case where there are not more than two, not more than one Karov then? No, Kulchem, they all have to be Karim. They all have to be Karim. Oh, right. You, oh, you can't have any korov at all. Right. Which is why Tosas asks if this whole thing is Xeris Kulchem, why do you allow a korov? But okay. Okay, the Moses is like this. So Shmamina. Okay, good. So you will only allow one puzzle. Now, Amar Baye, now this is going to get back to the question Michael asked. Shmamina, high korov, chasum, we can infer from this that when the relative signed, Ibai ben betchila ben bemsa ben besof. He can sign wherever he wants. There's no particular location where you allow the, pu- the, the puzzle signature. Why is that? How do you know that? My okay, you know why? Because it didn't say. It's that's the right to say. You can fill it out if a blank spot is left at the end. If a blank spot is left in the middle, right? So the fact that it didn't tell you where it could be filled out shows you that he can fill out that 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 any that that, that, that the fact that we allow one puzzle to sign can be in any of the folds. All right. Um, now, Vishmamina, and you could also infer from this, that we, the based in, will use any three signatures that we can validate. We don't have; they don't have to be three consecutive signatures. Okay, How do you know that? Have your for yeah. The We won't say that you need to validate three consecutive signatures. The If you need to, if they need to be consecutive, so then let him sign give him a particular place to sign in the beginning middle end and then it'll you can allow a lot of puzzle signatures now what does this exactly mean there's a couple ways you can interpret it Rashi basically says the following what Rashi says which maybe doesn't work so literally in the language of the Gemara but it's a brilliant point Rashi basically says that that why don't we just say that you have you can have a puzzle sign as long as it's after two kasher signatures so if you do that Right, then you have kosher, kosher, pasul. Now, I want a puzzle to sign here. No, 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 you can't. A puzzle can only come after two kosher signatures. Okay, kosher, kosher, pasul, and that's the way you go through to get. Now, if you, it's demanded that you use consecutive signatures, there's no way you can get to psulim. Any three signatures is going to have two kshayrim, right? Because you only allow two sharing that immediately juxtaposed to a puzzle. So if you, if we had a pr- principle that we would only use consecutive signatures, we would say Psulin can sign as many times as they want as long as there are two kosher signatures before them. Since we don't say that, since we say that Psulin can only sign once, you can you see that Bastin will use any three signatures. And since they'll use any three that they can validate, we can't allow two Psulin to sign, because then two of those three might be possible. How long do you think it took Rashi to work that out? I don't know, but if you look at the end of Rashi, Michael thinks it's very easy. You look at the end of Rashi, Rashi says the following. Rashi says, look at the last line of Rashi before the end of the Perek. 
Kain hu ikarashel sugyezo velo shimati hakain. That wasn't the tradition I had to explain this, but but it's what I figured out is the best shot of this sugya. Elikbeyura bekuntris moi hazakain. Apparently, what she's saying is like the version I heard was what my rebbe wrote in his notebook and he wrote in his parish on the Gemara, but that didn't make any sense to me. So this is what I'm telling you what the sugya really means. Okay. Anyway, so back to the Gemara. So the Gemara says like this. Okay. Tuva. When it came to Rabbi Ami, and a get that was had a blank spot in it, go get a, even a slave to fill in the last one. Pasling, who was that like? Like Benanis, was it? Yeah, Benanis. It said one, that, that one puzzle signature could be even a slave. So, okay. All, so all these are you know, equally important, these signatures. Because like, otherwise, I would have felt like there's something... Like, uh, so, sort of sets the wrong tone if you have a puzzle as the first signature. Yeah, I understand that. It's a good point. I, I don't know what to tell you. It's a good point. Now, I do want to say, by the way, the idea that you could have puzzle signatures, if that's understood to be the context, and we don't, why don't we just say Nimsechemim Karvel Puzzle? Right? One of the lists is puzzle, puzzle's the whole group. So, presumably, once there's an understood context that that person isn't part of the group, he's just being done for a different purpose, then it does not puzzle the other signatures. Now, that's very interesting because the Ramah brings down that there was a practice by Ksuvas, that after they would have the two kosher signatures, they would get um, relatives and psulim and whatever, just as a way of like honoring the chasen kala, mm-hmm. you just like pass around the ksuva and everybody would sign their name to it, even though there would be relatives or whatnot. And we don't say that there was karvu puzzle because it was understood that that, fu- that was functioning differently. Okay, so that's very interesting here because you do have a puzzle signature and it doesn't invalidate the rest. And as, uh, Now, of course, in the Ramaz case, you needed the two immediately ones after the ksuva to be Kasher. All right. Let's take a look at now the next parak. Okay. Hamagarshus Ishto. Now we turn to a, another fascinating set of scenarios that we have not dealt with until now. Hamagarshus Ishto, Va'amallah. He divorced his wife and he said to her, You are permissible with this get to marry any man except Frank. I gotta, I, I'm not so sure about you and Frank, and therefore I'm not saying you're permissible to marry any man except him. Okay? Is that a good get? So Michael says no. Rabbi yeah, maybe it's, it's, maybe it's pretty mean to her too. Rabbi Eliezer Matir. Rabbi Eliezer says it's good get. For the and the rabbis say it's not good. Right, exactly. Kate said Yasa. So if it's no good, what should you do? Take it and take it from her, and then give it back to her. Behold, you are muter Meaning the chiddush here is, and we've seen scenarios like this in the past, that the get doesn't get used up if it was an invalid act of delivering the get the act of the act of divorce is invalid but the chefs of the get the object of the get is still a valid instrument which is the next line if it was written in the get even if you erase it it's puzzle because the whole Adam signed on an invalid crisis and so on I mean if you erased it before the Adam signed it and you validated the fact that you had erased it maybe but what if you created it in the get you made an invalid instrument. But if the instrument was valid and you just gave it in the wrong way, then you can re-give it. Okay? So that is the case of when you exclude, she's not muterat l'chol adam. Now the Gemara is going to ask the fundamental question of what is the nature of this exclusion. Yes? I was just going to say, is, is, is what's happening now, they're exploring one of the limitations of conditionality. Well, that's exactly the question that the Gemara is going to ask. So let's read the Gemara. This guy was someone she could marry anyway. What? This guy was someone she could marry anyway. That probably wouldn't be a difference. Um, like if he was a Kohen you mean and you said yeah. so and she was us it's an interesting question right that's an interesting question right yeah that's a good question what I mean 
that well, even according to the Chachamim, that it doesn't work. According to the Chachamim, it doesn't work. She's totally married, right? Right, yeah, sure. Well, you I mean, is it a Reh Haget problem? We're going to get to that. Okay, that's another good question. But halachically, she's 100% married, according to the Chachamim. Whether there's a Kahuna issue, we'll get to. Um, now, Michael raises a good question, which I hadn't thought about. I mean, look, there's still a difference, even if you say you're not Matur Kohanim, because what then the husband is saying is, if you sleep with a Kohen, it's adultery, as opposed to, and even, uh, and forget it, right? Before we get, right, it, I mean, there's a whole question, Rambam Raivid, is the Isra of Kahuna only through marriage or even through sex outside of marriage, right? So, number one is, if he says you're not much to a Kohen, it forbids her even in sex outside of marriage, number one. But number two, what he's also saying is, is that that turns that into adultery, whereas otherwise her Isra was only an Isra Kahuna to a Kohen, and it's her lie. Okay, so, oh, okay, that's an interesting yeah. question. So the Gemara is going to deal with that. Okay, that's a good question, right? So Michael says, what did you say? Except for somebody that anyway, it would be completely officer to marry, it would be a Chiv Kares, marriage wouldn't be Tosim. So excluding that person didn't have any bigger effect. Okay, so the Gemara is going to do with that, but except for Kohen, I think you know definitely would because that would have obviously much much more of a profound effect. Okay, let's take a look at the Gemara. Ibayuhu, hi Ella Chutu. Oh, Almanatu. How do you read except for Reuven? Does that mean it should take effect except, you know, with the exclusion of Reuven? Vis-a-vis Reuven, you're an Aceous Yish. The, the, the halot, you know, the sort of, the impact of the get, the, the, the fact that it, that, you know, is limited to excludes Reuven. Um, oh, Almanatu. Or does it mean on the condition? You are 100% divorced from everybody in the world on the condition that you don't make marry or sleep with Ruvain. But if you marry or sleep with Ruvain, then retroactively you were never divorced from anyone. Right? I mean, I'll give you an easy nafkamina. She sleeps with Shimon, and then she sleeps with Ruvain. Right? If it means Almanat, then once she slept with Ruvain, she also committed adultery with Shimon. Right? But if it means Chutz, then assuming, you know, then, uh, then with Ruvain it would be an act of adultery, but with Shimon it would not. Is that clear? No. No? Not clear? Really? No, uh, All right. Here's Ruvain. Does it have a neck? Yeah. Here's Shimon. Okay. Now, I'm saying, assuming it does work, meaning assuming we'll take like Rebbe Eliezer. Okay. I, I don't care. Okay. Oh. Here's the woman. Okay. Now, if it says, Chutzme Reuven, okay, so for Reuven, you are still considered to be my wife. Okay. So if she sleeps with Shimon, that's, uh, that's uh, not an act of adultery. She sleeps with Reuven. No, he says, vis a vis Reuven, you're still my wife. Okay, that is an act of adultery. If, however, he says, I'm the condition, I'm not, okay, then what happens? She sleeps with Shimon and she sleeps with Ruvain. Once she slept with Ruvain, retroactively, even her sleeping with Shimon was an act of adultery. Because then retroactively, she was never divorced. Mm. Okay? So does it mean, for Ruvain, you're my wife, for everybody else, you're not my wife? Or does it mean... For for everybody, you're not my wife. On the condition you never sleep with Ruvain. Okay. So if it's Chutzne, yeah. Does she collect a ketubah from her original husband because she is technically? Well, you mean according to Rabbi Eliezer? Yeah. According to Rabbi Eliezer, one guy is walking around on the planet. She's yeah. still vis-a-vis him, married to. Well, well, that's really the question of Chrysos. That's why they would right. debate this. Okay, so let's see the Gemara. So I actually framed it as what would be the nafkamina, assuming it would work. <laughs> Right? But the Gemara wants to ask, why are they debating? So if I reframe it this way, if I say, which case, if you had a pick, is, uh, should obviously be not a good get? If, uh, if, if it means what? Almanat or Chutz? Ch- uh, chutz. chutz! 
How can you divorce somebody without totally freeing her everyone, right? Get means Alminat that maybe could work. The end result is she can't sleep with Reuven, but the basic, you know, effect of the get is that it makes her completely right. divorced. Right. So that's the Gemara's question. I mean, All right, so that's the Gemara's question. Sorry, would it make a difference if Reuven died because, like, there was a problem with the actual, you know, from the, from the onset. Like, you know, it was a, it was a bad... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm talking about even in Rebbe Elias, I assume it worked. No, okay, but they would say, like, oh, once he dies, then it's okay. No, because then it's a problem from the outset. From the outset. Okay. Hai chut ela chutzu almanasu chutzu ubechutzi dupligi rabbanon leid rabbi liyaser. When you say you're divorced except for Reuven, okay, that's where they debate. Da shai shir lo beget. The get is not completely effective. It's not effective vis-a-vis Reuven. Aval ba'almanat. If you say on the condition that you don't marry or sleep with Reuven, modula they would agree. And result is she can't sleep with Reuven. But the basic effect of the get is that she's permitted to everyone. That's one way of framing it. Then you really have to understand Rebbe Eliezer. How does Rebbe Eliezer allow a get to only be 99% effective and not 100% effective? Okay. Um, okay. Like all Tanayim worked. Okay. Or do you say, so that's a way that you could, you know, that would very much limit it and be a huge chiddish for Rebbe Eliezer that chutz would work. Or do you say, no. Almanasu. They're debating Almanas. And that's where they debate. Because there, Rabbi Eliezer says it's just a condition. And the rabbis say it's not just a condition. It's a condition that has the effect of not allowing her to marry anybody else. Or not allowing her to marry this one person. But in the case where you actually said it would not be effective vis-a-vis Ruvain, even Rabbi Eliezer would agree that that's not a good get. Okay, that he did not make it, that the get is not complete. Okay, so I, I think it makes much more sense to say they debate Amanat, right? Because it's so hard to understand Rabbi Eliezer's position if they're debating Chutz. Let's see what the Gemara says. Now, the Gemara's going to bring what is, like, I think, one of the most bizarre rayas. Let's take a look. I'm a Ravina. Of course, I'm sure I say that all the time. I'm a Ravina. Tashma, come in here. Chot Batim, Mitamim Binagayim. All houses can become Tamei through spots, you know, of uh, this Nega Tzarat. Ela Shalom Dekochavim. Except for the houses of non-Jews. So, what does the word Ela there mean? Okay, same Ella's our Mishnah. Now, of course, how the word the Tana uses the word Ella, and what does it mean when it's clear in context, as opposed to how does it mean when a person says it and it's not clear in context, fine. But the Gemara is going to use this as proof what the word Ella means. Okay? If Ella meant with the exception of. So Shapir, all houses are Tamei, can become Tamei with Nagan, with the exception of houses of non-Jews. That's what Ella usually means. Ella, Ia Marta but if Ella means only if, right? How do you read Ella? With the exception of, or only if? Right? With the exception of Ruvain, or only if you don't marry Ruvain? So if it means only if, so, so what does that mean? All houses are Matame bin Nagan, only if... Houses of non-Jews are Matami bin Agaim. What? So, I'm not the low Matamu Bati of Dechochavim. Who did Matami? I'm sorry. I'm the, only if the houses of non-Jews won't be Matami. I'm the, only if, on the condition that the houses of non-Jews won't be Tami bin Agaim, who did Matami Bati Israel? Then houses of Jews will be Tami. Only on the following condition. <laughs> like, what? 
the if the houses of non-Jews could become Tameh, long Israel, then the house of Jews would not become Tameh. It's of course absurd. Who's, who are we making this condition with? God? What do you mean not the condition that they don't become Tameh? They don't become Tameh. I will give it in the house and the land of your, of your inheritance. Only the place that like you own, that you have an inheritance in, houses of the non-Jews, even in Eretz Yisrael, are not Medami bin Goyim. So anyway, so El Shmamina Chutzu. Obviously, in that mission, it means with the exception of Shmamina. So if Chutz means that mission with the exception of, here too it means with the exception of, and not only if, not on the condition that. Okay, which is a big Chiddush, now that we're saying that if our mission means with the exception of, then maybe they agree on Manas works, which is fine. But then you have Rabbi Eliezer saying that even when you say the get is not effective vis-a-vis a particular person, it's still a good get, which is a big Chiddush. Okay, now the Gemara is going to say... But that other possible reading actually does exist in a brighter. Okay, so the Gemara says like this: Masnius and Loki Aitana. Our mission, which we've established, that they're debating when you say chutz, with the exception of, is not like the following brighter that frames the debate in a different way. The time we turn the brighter, I'm Reb Yosef Reb Yehuda. Lo nechlok Reb Yehuda. Reb Chacham Imam Magarshes Ishav Amalarei Matzal Chol Dam Chutz Miploni. If you had said you permitted everybody except for Reuven, nobody disagrees. Shane Migrashes. Of course, she's not divorced. That's not fully effective. What was the debate? If you say you're permissible to everybody on the condition that you don't marry, there at least there's something to talk about. He says that works. Don't sleep with that guy because then retroactively you'll never have been divorced. But go ahead and marry anyone you want. The and the coming forbid it. My time is Rebbe What's the reason Rebbe Leizer? That's good. What do you mean? You need to have a cult tonight, Alma. Like any condition works. Rabbanan. And what would the rabbi say back? No. Cult tonight, Alma. Lo shir le beget. Any normal condition, he's not, he's not, the effect, meaning it's true. At a conceptual level, the get is 100% effective. But in the practical world in which we live, she's not going to have the permission to, in practice, she will not be permitted to marry anyone she wants. And therefore, that, even that, even if it just practically prevents it, and not at a sort of, at a conceptual level, at a, you know, um, excludes it, nevertheless, the practical prevention makes it a not a good crisis. Ahacha, yeah, Here, he actually the get does not, you know, leave something over. Even again, even if in principle it's totally effective, in practice it does not allow it. Now, by the way, I should say that Tosfos has an interesting discussion whether with Almanas, the Gemara's example of Almanas is on the condition you don't marry so and so. Tosfos says, let's say you said on the condition that you don't marry and don't have sex with so and so. Would Rabbi Eliezer agree then? Maybe that you know is completely right, making it you know forbidden. Like the get has no effect, right, in terms of that other person. So Tosos assumes, he goes through back and forth, but he basically assumes we're talking even if you say on the condition that you don't marry or don't have sex with so and so. So the effect totally excludes that person, but conceptually the get is, you know, the get is effective. It's just a condition. So Rabbi Eliezer says, I'm going to just look at it as a condition. I don't care if in practice it has that effect. And the Khamenei say, no, if in practice it doesn't make it permissible to that person, it's not a good get. All right. Yes. Uh, even in theory, how do you make a condition that contradicts what's allowed? Either way, she's, she's not allowed because she's married, so that would be adultery, right? Right. And if uh, so, so how can you 
insert a condition that would prevent the get from being a well that's the Chachamim say but Rabbi Eliezer says yeah but he says conceptually that exists outside of the get the get makes it totally permitted and this is just something external to it which is if you want the get to work you'll follow the following conditions but when the get works it works 100% as long as I haven't slept with Ruvain the get makes me permissible to Ruvain yeah, I understand. That's what the Chachamim say. But you can understand Rabbi Eliezer's position. I can understand it, yeah. right? I, I, I can. You know, it's like because it's not because again, like in principle, the get. It's a question whether you look at something in principle or in practice. You know, I'm if you look at it. You my house. You do, once it's yours, you can do whatever you want. Just don't paint the living room red. <laughs> That's, no, that's the condition. So then you buy the house. That's different because here in the definition of the getting. Right. Itself, there is a difference. That, right. Know, the very nature of this is to give somebody that power right. and to make it condition. Right. No so that's yeah, question. that's exactly. Would, yeah. Can you, can you bracket something which is intrinsic to the definition uh, guess, of the instrumentality right. of the right. Right. and still have it be whole? Right. 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 Interesting It's a really interesting Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess a comparison would be let's say. I sold you a I don't know let's say like I sold you something like that was a I don't know I sold you an olive tree okay or maybe I can even make it a bigger example I sold it to you live payroll top it was clear your whole goal was to get the payroll and I said you are entitled to those to all those payroll I'm selling you the payroll of the olive tree on the condition that you don't eat 10% of them right so could you so could you say that right so that's my question okay um, uh, now the man says like this um, okay my time is Rabbi Eliezer. Now, it's one thing we had a whole discussion here. Does Almanat make sense? But at least you can understand where you're coming from. Fundamentally, it works, and there's some condition which has some practical effect. But if you're saying that it works even when you say Chutz, according to Rabbi Eliezer, how could it get not be 100% effective? So the Gemara says, isn't the whole point of a get to sever her from her past husband? This is not severing her. So, which is interesting, Rabbi Yana said in the name of a certain elder, whoever that elder is, Amar Kra, the verse says, She leaves his house and she goes and marries one other man, another man. Ah, you see that a get can work even if it only allows her to marry one man. Okay, so a get does not have to make her harat with her adam. What do you mean l'chol adam? The Torah says v'al Maybe it's a get even if it just makes it permissible to one man. Okay, which is a very bizarre idea. It's both a bizarre idea that a get conceptually, like, you know, that we always think of a get as severing, but it's also a bizarre idea to think about what the end result is that you're left with. Because think for a minute. What are you left with as an end result? besides the question of the nature of a get. What is the nature of this marriage? You're married to me vis-a-vis this person and not vis-a-vis somebody else, right? So it's both a question of what is a get. A get normally we think has to sever. And it's also a question of what I don't understand. Isn't a marriage like either all or nothing? How can you have, like, you know, how can you be a little pregnant? How can you have a little bit of a marriage? How can it be vis-a-vis this person, not vis-a-vis that person? Okay, which is now what's going to lead the Gemara to its another question of can you create a marriage that looks like this? If you can actually have it at the end. Okay? So Rabbanan, what would the rabbi say? There's a little bit of a question here about the Gersa, but anyway, we'll read it with the parentheses. Um, 
time of Rebbe, so we'll take, we'll take out Sprenzies. Rabbanan, hi ish, what does it mean? Sounds like one man is still a good get. So they'll sell you, no, no, no. Yishachir means whoever she wants to marry. Doesn't mean she now goes to a particular man. It means the get has to allow her to now marry whoever she wants. And if you can't let her marry whoever she wants, it's not a good get. I'm interested that the language of sacred creatures does not come up explicitly. Right. No, that's like taken for granted, I think, uh-huh. that that is the problem, which is why Rabbi Eliezer has to decide. That's why he says, how could chutz work, right? Now, you're right. It could have said, how could chutz work? Don't you need sacred creatures? Right. But I think that that's like implicit, uh-huh. which is why Rabbi Eliezer has to quote a puzzle to defend his position. Okay, Rabbi Yochanan Amar, time of Rabbi Eliezer Mehacha, a different verse to defend Rabbi Eliezer. The Isha... And a woman divorced from her husband, a Kohen cannot marry. So what does that mean? Why does it say divorced from her husband? Why does it say the Isha Grusha lo Yikachu? So to tell you, a few Let's say the husband gave her get and said, Hare at Migureshet Mimeni, the Iatamuteret Loshumadam. Okay? <laughs> so she's only divorced from her husband, but she's not permissible to anyone. So Rabbi Yochanan says, according to this pasuk, that would actually, that's her, she's Grusha Meisha. She's not permissible to anybody else, but she's Grusha Meisha, whatever that means, I don't know. Okay? And therefore, it means they don't have the right sort of rights and responsibilities. And therefore, she's puzzled to a kahuna. Now that is actually a concept of Reah Haget. We've had Reah Haget before. But normally we assume that Reah Haget is rabbinic. Certain types of gitin are close enough to being sure that it creates a problem for Kohanim at the rabbinic level. They shouldn't marry a woman who had such a get. It looks like she's divorced. This drusha is actually saying that there's a reach a get midoraita. That if a, if, if a man gave a get to his wife and said, that she actually would be puzzled to a Kohen min ha-Torah, because she's grusha me'isha. And the argument is as follows. As Tosus and Rashi pretty much say, it says, nobody is thinking that in that case, this woman would actually be really Migureshet. Okay, the example that Tosus gives is, like the Nafkim Tosus says is, oh, let's say the husband died. Okay? Let's say he divorced her, but said you're not Mutat L'chol Adam, and then he died. Could the brother do Yibum? Okay? So Tosus says it's Pashat the brother could do Yibum. Like it's Pashat that this doesn't work. Okay, this doesn't do anything. But here's the Chiddush. If it, it doesn't, if the Torah is still going to say it's a Kohen problem, if you could never exclude anything from a get it wouldn't even be a Kohen problem it would be so absurdly invalid that it wouldn't even be a problem for Kohanim so if the Torah is saying when you exclude the whole world it's, a, it's, a, it's not a good get but it's a problem for Kohanim that suggests that if you excluded some people but not everybody it really would be a good get you hear the argument? sort of Yes? Okay. <laughs> Meaning, if it's so absurd, if you can't even exclude one person, how can we think if you exclude the whole world, it would be a Cohen problem? So what you're saying, if you exclude the whole world, it's a Cohen problem that suggests that if you excluded just one person, it might actually be a real, it might actually really work. Okay? So that's the drusha. Um... And you see that when you exclude somebody not in the case when you exclude everybody but when you exclude somebody it actually could be a good get for Abanan and Rabbis will say no it's a Kunashani nah this is a Kohen issue so it's a Reha get so that doesn't prove anything about you know about what really would be a good get you can't make any inferences from this okay so that's the debate now the Gemara says the following 
By Rabbi Abba, Kiddushin Haich. What would be the story in the case of Kiddushin? If you, in the, according to Rabbi Eliezer, if you could end with a ninety, with a with a ten percent marriage or a five percent marriage, vis-a-vis me, you're, you're married to me, vis-a-vis Ruve, not to the rest of the world. Until now, we thought marriage had to be all or nothing. So, can you create that reality as well? So, what would be the story? Tibayu Rabbi Eliezer, Tibayu Rabbanim. You could ask it whether according to Rabbi Eliezer, whether according to the Rabbanim. Tibayu Rabbi Eliezer. You could ask it according to Rabbi Eliezer. Maybe this weird idea that you don't have to do fully divorce, that's because you have a pasuk that tells you that you can exclude a person. Okay? But maybe by Kiddushin, it's all or nothing, like we always thought. It's just a special Kiddush by a get. Or do you say, no, it links Kiddushin to Gerashin, and if by Gerashin you can not have a full Gerashin, by Kiddushin you could have a non-full Kiddushin. Okay? That's one read. And you can even ask maybe the rabbis, which would be bizarre, would be more allowed this phenomenon by Kiddushin than by Gittin. Why do they not allow this phenomenon here? There you go, though. It's because we need Kriesus. Of course here it can't work. It has to totally sever. But maybe we would say by Kiddushin, any act that connects her to, that connects the woman to the man constitutes Kiddushin, even if it's not a full and an exclusive relationship. Okay? It's really bizarre. Okay? Um, like? So it looks like, we're well, going to get to what it looks like. Oh, Dioma, or do we say, No, it's Kitten, is like Kiddushin is like Kitten. So the Gemara says, the Bosa di after he raised the question, he came to the conclusion. Whether Rabbi Leazar, whether Rabbanan, but even so we link Kiddushin to Gitin, which means that for the Rabbanan, if it doesn't work by a get, it doesn't work by the Kiddushin. But it means, listen to this crazy idea that, according to Rabbi Eliezer, the same way you could say, you could also say to a woman, so now all of a sudden, we thought, you know, Judaism only recognized, you know, uh, polygamy, but it also, what's called polyandry, right? In theory here, now you can have a woman married to two men, right? So you're married to Rabbi Chutzmi Ruvain, so she, she can now, what, have sex with Ruvain, and it wouldn't be adultery. And now, could she marry Ruvain? So she could marry Ruvain, and Ruvain would say, if, 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 if Ruvain says, well, Gemara's going to get to it, Shimon says, and Ruvain says, so neither of them are excluding the other person, right? Each of them are allowing that their Kiddushin doesn't affect the other guy in the picture. So then is she mutter to, to, to sleep with both of them? Right? Is she married to two men? That's what you might have, according to Rabbi Eliezer. So let's take a look. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not advocating it. Okay. <laughs> let's take a look. Okay. Um... Okay. Um, if what Rebbe Ava said is correct, right, that this issue about that it applies, you can infer from Gitin to Kiddushin. So, Ruven said, you're married to me except for Shimon. Shimon you can continue to sleep with. Okay? And the other scenario I just gave you. And Shimon said and said, you're married to me, but that doesn't exclude Ruven. So each of them allows for the other man to be in the picture. Okay? Now, the Gemara does not ask the first thing I want to know which is but it's, uh, does that mean she can sleep with either guy and it's not adultery presumably yes okay now the Gemara those has the following 
So that's an addition. Um, yeah, I mean, that's true. Oh, <laughs> I mean, right, right, that's true. This is a case of brothers, as we're about to see. Yeah, so, but, you know, it's not a man married to two sisters. It's a woman married to two brothers. Torah never forbids that. Because <laughs> the Torah never has a woman married to two men. Okay, anyway, but right, now we're actually going to look at the Yibam case. Now, they both died. Now, they're brothers, as uh, David correctly said. Now, Levi, who's the third brother, can come and do Yibum. Okay, because he's got now a Zika from Ruvain and a Zika from Shimon. Now, we, we only got a little bit of a problem, though. What's, <laughs> what's the problem? The problem is, you might remember from Yevamos that you cannot have Zika's Shnei Yabamim. You cannot do Yibum if this woman, you're now connected to her to, through two Zikas. What would be the case? The case would be, okay... Oh, we still could have had this woman here. Okay? So, this woman dies. Okay? I'm sorry. Um, let's do Shimon and Levi. And she's married to Reuven. Okay? And they're all brothers. Reuven dies. Shimon comes ahead and he does Mamar. People remember what Mamar is? It's sort of like a... It's like a rabbinic type of Kiddushin, Yibam, etc. Which basically means it's not the rice effective, but it basically sort of seems that at least a rabbinic level will look at them as if they're married. And then, okay, and then Shimon dies. Now Levi here, another brother, he has a mitzvah of Yibam on this woman. He has a mitzvah of Yibam from two directions. From, his first, from Ruvain, he has a mitzvah of Yibum, and from Shimon. Okay, now, if Shimon had done Yibum, Ruvain would be out of the picture, because then the, he would just supplant Ruvain. But because he didn't do Yibum, Ruvain is still in the picture, right? The, the, the obligation vis-a-vis Ruvain has not yet been satisfied. So even though there's only rabbinic, since for Levi he has a connection through Shimon and through Ruvain, that's considered zikas shnei and rabbinically, you, you know, he cannot do Yibum. So what the Gemara wants to know is, can we get a Zika Shnei Yavimim going on a Doraita level? Okay? And the way it would work on a Doraita level is, right? Okay? She's married to both of these guys. Okay? The way we just saw. This marriage doesn't exclude him, and his marriage doesn't exclude her. And then they both die. So now, he's obligated to both through Ruvay and through Shimon. It should be a problem. Okay? And the Gemara is going to say it's not. Why is it not a problem? So let's take a look. Two husbands are like one husband. Uh, maybe. Yeah, let's take a whose name is going to be... Uh, uh, I don't know. So we'll see. let's see what the Gemara says. Okay? The Eidani Koreba, and I don't call it, Eishah Shnei Metim. My time, why? Kiddushin de Ruvain Ahanu, because Kiddushin's marriage was binding. Kiddushin de Shimon Lo Ahanu. Shimon's marriage was not binding. Why was Shimon's marriage not binding? You said that Shimon was still in the picture. Because, because, it's not that it wasn't binding, it's that what the Gemara is saying is it wasn't effective. Meaning, when Shimon said, Hareya Mikudesh Etli, Chutzmi Ruvain, the fact that she was married to Shimon had no implications to the rest of the world, right? But before Shimon did anything, before Shimon did anything, she was ushered to the rest of the world, except for Shimon, right? Shimon now marries her. She remains ushered to the rest of the world, except for Shimon. Shimon's marriage did not affect her status vis-a-vis the rest of the world. Is that clear? Yes? Yes? No? Everybody with me here? Okay? When Ruben married her, it said, Chutzmi Shimon. She couldn't marry anyone except Shimon. Shimon marries her, says, Chutzmi Ruvain. Did that marriage make any difference about her status? Did it affect who she could marry? No. 
Okay? So she's, already married. she's already married to Ruvain. She already is usher to everybody else. So those Kedushas to Shimon shouldn't be Chal. That's what the Gemara is right. saying. Right. So it's bizarre that the Gemara uses the example of Yibum. Presumably it's using it as a test case to prove if it's Chal or not. But it's a way of actually saying that it's not Chal. Okay? Another way the Gemara could have said it is let's say Shimon is not Ruvain's brother. And Shimon died, whatever, you know, there's no Mitzvah Yibum or whatever. Anyway, but it's a way of saying it's not Chal because it did not have an effect. Now, I'm going to tell you how it could have an effect. Let's say, Ruvain said, Chutz mi Shimon, okay, and Frank over here. Those two, those two you can, you, those two you're still okay with, okay? And then Shimon comes and says, Chutz mi Frank, okay? So that marriage did something. It excluded her from Frank. I'm not Chutz mi Frank. I'm sure the Chutz mi Ruvain, but you are Asa to Frank, okay? So the marriage here made her usher to Frank. So that marriage had some effect. You guys with me here? Yeah? So in that case, she really would be married both to Reuven and Shimon. Mm-hmm. The Gemara does not have a fundamental problem that she could be married to both guys, again, within this way of thinking. And presumably that she could sleep with both guys, even though she's married to the other one. The Gemara's problem is that the second act didn't add anything to her status. But if what that second situation was, was it kicked Root Frank out of the picture, because this guy allowed for Frank as well, okay, then actually it would be effective and she'd be married to sure both of them. Or it's possible. Forget Frank. Leave him alone for a minute. Yeah. In the first scenario, yeah. you got both guys under the chuppah, and they say the the statement of condition simultaneously. No, that wouldn't work because they're mutually exclusive. Right. Why, is, why, is why isn't there a problem about this child? It would be. Why don't they raise that? Yeah, I mean, that's, you're right. I mean, that's what you want to start asking. Exa- all those that's questions. Exactly. What do you mean, whose problem? Whose child it would be? The one who 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 was the father of the child. No, but at the oh, you mean for the Yibam issue? Because we're not no, interested. No, forgetting the Yibam. Okay. If you're allowing even the concept, right? Happily that, married, all three of Yes, right. So whose child is it? Where is the child? It's the child of whoever's father, whoever was the father. How do they know the father? That's a question. Okay, it's a different question. They'll do a genetic testing. It couldn't be answered. I could, I could if you one guy was out of town or whatever. But okay, all right. So then we can have interesting questions of how do you split the Arusha. All right, moving on. This is like, this is like, you know, Minchus Chinuch Heaven here. Okay, anyway, moving on. It's the same question because here, you don't know whose name you're perpetrating. It's the same kind of... Yeah, but that's not... I mean, I understand all the issues you're raising, but the Gemara like isn't even up to that yet. All right? Okay, so now the Gemara says like this. The Ella, Eishas Shnei Meisim Hechim Mishkach. So how could you get a case? Okay, Kigon Shabaruvin Bekitcha Chutz Mi Shimon Ubaas Shimon. Now I gave you a case where she really could be married at the same time to two guys. But let's see what the Gemara is going to say. Baruvin Bekitcha Chutz Mi Shimon. Ba Shimon Bekitcha Stam. So Shimon came and he said, "You're married to me, and you're answer to everybody, including Ruvain." So Shimon was coming and kicking Ruvain out of the out of the picture. The Kiddushin Ruvain Ahanu LeMisrei Alma. The Kiddushin of Ruvain made it forbidden to everyone except Shimon and then Shimon's effect made it forbidden to Ruvain of course the precedent is you're saying one minute if Shimon succeeds in making her forbidden to Ruvain what would you expect the consequence would be Shimon comes and marries her and says you're also to everybody including Ruvain your husband what do you think the consequence would be that maybe Ruben would stop being her husband, right? No, it can't be. Why not? Because, because that's not a, that's not a So now you're married to Ruben, but you're ushered to have sex with him because you're also married to me. 
Wait. <laughs> you think the second one is in Chal because it's because it's because it, the second one is in Chal because it's uprooting the rights of the first one. One of them is in Chal, right? The two of them can't exist at the same time. Uh, that's what you say. All right. Well, let's see what the Gemara says. Okay. Uh, I think I would probably intuitively agree with you just in terms of fairness. But let's see what the Gemara says. All right. Let's take a look. Bye bye bye. Asked Amalah. Okay. So, um, one minute. Now, oh, um, oh, so that question isn't in the Gemara. That question is in Tosros. Look at Tosros. So he asks that if you're basically making her excluded to Ruvain, then that should push Ruvain on. Now, what you're saying is, if you're making excluded to Ruvain, that should make what you're doing ineffective. The Gemara imagines that she could be married to Reuven and Shimon, but she can't, she can have sex with Shimon even though she's married to Reuven because Reuven didn't exclude Shimon. But she can't have sex with Reuven because she's married to Shimon and Shimon did exclude Reuven. Okay, so that's a case where that's name is. I don't know, to me, I mean, that's a big Kiddush. To me, once we're dealing with this absurd scenario altogether, the, the, the easier case is that they excluded one another, but the second one also, you know, also made her usher to Frank. Well, right? So each one had an effect this made her usher to the whole world except Shimon and Frank. This way made her usher to Frank. And now, but mutter to Ruvain. Okay? And now she's mutter to both of her husbands. You got a whole nice little polyandry going yeah, on there. And, and make this statement. That, <laughs> that's, right? I mean, essentially, it's a half God condition situation. That's yeah, right. but not in a way that we could implement. Okay. No, I theoretically, the whole thing. I don't know how we could implement it. Bye bye bye. Are you that's biblical, right? Oh, you mean why isn't she if they're brothers? Why isn't she when she sleeps with Shimon sleeping with her with her with her husband's brother? Yeah. Um, right. So that's true. So it, it just it also just according to this scenario wouldn't also be the Yisr of Ashish. You're right. It would be the Yisr of husband's brother, but not of married woman. But if Reuben and Shimon weren't mar- weren't, weren't brothers, they're making the white. So they're making these okay. But the Gemara isn't asking the question of what if she sleeps with one of them. I'm asking the question. The Gemara is just asking, is she considered married? Does she have a status of being married? Okay. You know, you could come and say that the Gemara, she could never sleep with both of them or whatever. The Gemara just wants to know if like on paper she's considered married to them, but not that she actually would be allowed to sleep with the other one. Okay? Because the Gemara isn't asking who can she sleep with. The Gemara is just asking who on paper is she married to. And the, and the uh, obligations that are... Uh, right. Are they both Hive and Sherexus and Ona... No, no, no. Some of those obligations are derayta. Yeah. It's like a game of chess. I know. I got it. I got it. But David makes an excellent point, which is right, which is that in the case of brothers, she can't sleep with Shimon because it's her husband's brother. But if they're not brothers, then it will be okay. But again, I do want to emphasize. I've been talking because I think it's the first thing that all of us ask. One minute, if she's married to two guys, 
they've excluded one another, so she can sleep with either of them or with both of them. So the Gemara is not, has not addressed the question of who can she have sex with. The Gemara just wants to know, like, on paper, who is she married to? And the test case is the Yibu case is one of those test cases for that. Who do we define her as being married to? Okay, the Gemara hasn't addressed the question right. of who can she it's sleep right. with. It's not about, the question isn't about sex, the question is about, like, whose health insurance can she there, there you go. Okay, so let's just read one more question. Right. Buy a buy <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Okay. Okay, he excluded Ruben and Shimon. Okay, so there was. He said, he gave her the get. We're moving we're away from Kiddushin, which is such a fun case. Okay, but here he is. He gives her the get and says, And then before giving her the get, he says, right, and he gives her the get. What do those words Leruvein Veshimen mean in that context? First he says Chutz Leruvein Veshimen, and then before he gave it again, he said Leruvein Veshimen. So what do they mean? When he says Chazaramer Leruvein Veshimen, Mahu Miyamin and Mada Asher Shara. When you said Chutz Leruvein Veshimen, and then you said Leruvein Veshimen, he said, you know what? You're also mutter for Reuven and Shimon. I'm filling in the gaps. When I said you, the men I said that you were still forbidden to, I'm now saying you're permitted to. That's one way to read it. Oh, dear, what would you say? No, my Asher Shara, umay Shara Asher. You completely flipped it. Right? You said, and then you said, and then you paused and you said, so maybe what you're saying is, you're mutter to Ruben and Shimon, and also to everyone else. You're totally flipping it. Okay, if you say, right, then no, no, no. Ruben and Shimon means we're just filling in the gap. You're mutter to everybody, including Ruben and Shimon. Okay? Let's say he said, and then he said, so what do we say about that? So Reuven and Shimon means, and you're also mutter to Reuven and Shimon. So what if he just said Reuven? When he says Reuven, is he just sort of, you know, speaking elliptically? And he means, you know what? You're mutter to both of them also. But he just said Reuven. He said the first one, but he means you're mutter to both of them. Because that was the first of the list. Okay, but he means, yeah, 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 you're mutter to all those guys as well. Odium of the Reuven Dafka. No, I'm down, you're mutter to Reuven, but you're still Asr to Shimon. If when you say he said Leruvain, he meant, no, I'm just, you're much just to Ruvain now, but to Shimon you remain Asr. If he said Lishimin Mahu, right, he said, and then he said Lishimin. Okay, so what does that mean? Lishimin Vuadin Leruvain. Now actually, you're, I mean Shimon, I mean Shimon and Ruvain. The high to come with Shimon, right, he said Shimon, it was the last word out of my mouth. I said, Chutzmiruvain Vishimin. And I said, no, Vishimin. Okay, and that means everything I just said before, you're mutter to everyone. Okay, oh, the Omalashimin Dafka. No, maybe now you're mutter to everybody and Shimon, but you're still Asr to Ruvain. By Ravashi, Ravashi wants to know, Asr Shimon Ma, he said, And then he said, You know what? Asr Shimon, even Shimon. So what is even? Even Shimon and, so, Asr Ruvain Kai, you know what? You're even mutter to Reuven and even to Shimon. Even Shimon, meaning Reuven and even Shimon. Odioma, Afa Almakai. You know what? You're mutter to the whole world and even you're mutter to Shimon. But still, you're also to Reuven. Okay? Take this. So we don't know the answer to any of those. Now, I wanted to say, okay, I want to say, who is this question according to? It could be according to Rabbi Eliezer, and we want to know Lamasa. According to Rabbi Eliezer, is she now mutter to Reuven and Shimon or Esther to Reuven and Shimon, right? That's one way of asking the question. The other question could be according to the Chacham him that Chutz doesn't work so if this follow up statement filled the whole gaps 
Nader Mutter Ruven and Shimon. It's a Kasha get. If the follow up statement, Nader still usher to one of them, then it's a not kosher get. Right? So she'd ask this question according to the Chachamim, to saying this fill the gaps and make her mutter to everyone and make it a kosher get, or does it not fill the gaps and it's a puzzle get? Or you could ask it according to Rabbi Eliezer. No, it's going to be kosher either way, but we just want to know whether Reuven and Shimon can, can now marry her. All right, so the Gemara ends with this question, but again, the really fascinating issue is how can you be not 100%, you know, 50% married, 90% married? What is that reality? Okay, more of this uh, tomorrow.